0: Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz.
1: All right, everybody, everybody calm down. (laughs) Lori here, your Tech Cat broadcasting live from Los Angeles. Uh, We just had the Tech Cat show for the last couple of days in Atlanta at a fabulous uh, insights and marketing research conference called IIEX, where the Voice America team and I were doing a bunch of interviews all about uh, marketing insights and research. And a lot of uh, the folks that we spoke to are actually using things like biofeedback and neuroscience and all sorts of other things that involve the sort of chemistry with our brain to understand insights and research, and so it's only fitting that today's show is all about neurofeedback and neuroscience, and I have a buddy of mine, Mr. John McCrute, who I am calling the NeuroGuru, and John is an expert in neurofeedback. Let's have the big tech cat hand for John, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, everybody come back. Sometimes Sometimes the ladies throw panties. We'll see what happens as the show goes on. Uh,
2: the crowd went crazy when Tommy hit the stage. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, tell us all about what you do, because I, I, I came to you actually finding you online when I was searching for some neuro, uh, feedback solutions for my daughter who deals with ADHD. And um, you came up in my search um, in, the, in the local region. Um, so t-
2: tell us all about what you do. Well, God bless Google. Yeah. Uh, I it do, works. <laughs> it absolutely, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, interestingly, in your intro you were talking about the biochemistry of brain function and uh, yeah, I come from the electrical side. Um, oh. your, your brain is ultimately and finally an electrochemical device. And our, our culture at this point it seems to be um, mired in the chemical side, thus all of the medications that are prescribed for a variety of conditions. And we come from the electrical side, uh, equally potent. I, I would argue, perhaps more potent, and free of side effects, which is the glorious part. Um, essentially, neurofeedback trains brain function. The tr- the brain, for obviously for centuries, and certainly up until very recently. Uh, the brain was viewed as an immutable, unchangeable organ. Whatever you were born with, that was your destiny. The, f- the wiring was hardwired and et cetera, et cetera. And clearly, uh, you know, if you read even popular press today, I think most people are, are beginning to understand that the brain is a very flexible, very malleable, very adaptable organ, as when you, if you think about it in a larger frame. Of course it is. Uh, it would have to be, if we were going to become the dominant species, it would have to be probably the most flexible brain on the planet. Um, <clears throat> so we come at it from an electrical point of view. or Our opinion is that, and the data seems to support it, that if you can change the firing patterns, if you can change the mechanistic way in which the brain organizes its electrical pattern firing, you can change behavior. That has implications... Across the board, from people, I have people come to me with sleep problems, with anxiety, with migraines, with ADD, ADHD, uh, autism spectrum disorder, all sorts of things that where there's an implication for the brain having some participation in whatever your your symptomatology might be. There's probably a, a reasonable expectation that neurofeedback could be effective for it. Yo, go that's ahead. that that's my that, that's like the two minute I got the 20 minute I got the 40 minute I got a lot of versions of this conversation but uh, it's essentially because it's trainable I mean the brain is looking for information it's what it does uh, 24 hours a day seven days a week it monitors your environment and is seeking information to make best guesses about how it should shape your outward, your outward performance, what what you're actually doing. So we're here as, as neurofeedback providers to provide very discreet, very targeted information, uh, back to a client so that their own brain can make a better judgment about what it should or shouldn't do.
1: Uh, I, I love that. And can you talk a little bit about actually how this works, like what the actual experience is like?
2: For the client coming into my office? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. <clears throat> well, first you meet with me and you tell me everything, all your inner secrets, and give me all the, pa- <laughs> the, pa- the passcodes for your. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we come and we. Uh, I, I got to talk to you about some new business opportunities. <laughs> Okay. Yes, I'm always. i always. Uh, 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 i always uh, quick to say to people because they ask often. Can you read my mind by doing neurofeedback? No, I can't. I can tell that your brain is operating, but that's about the extent of it. It is not a mind reading. Uh, it's not a mind reading. Uh, a thing that I do. Um, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. No, you come. And we sit. Essentially, we sit and we talk. Um, I have a, a symptom, uh, a checklist of sorts that I, I go over with people in an intake form where I, I try to find out what's their current state, what's, what's troubling them, what's the, what are the major issues, major and minor, but mostly what are the major issues that seem to be uh, troublesome in, in, in getting through their lives on a daily basis. Um, it's an extensive checklist. It ranges from do you grind your teeth, uh, how much do you sleep, um, you know, do you get migraines? Uh, what are your attention and uh, skills? Are you know? Are there are there noticeable deficits for you? Not not from my perspective, but for the person sitting in the chair across from me. So we go over this very extensive uh, list of symptoms, which is the, the primary basis in which we decide where we're going to place our sensors on somebody's head. Uh, there are certain areas of the brain. Not to overstate locality because it's the network, uh, the brain is indeed networked, but there are specific areas where we'll draw electrical uh, uh, data from to present back to the client.
1: And so this is actually on someone's head, on the shape of their head, you place these sensors.
2: Exactly. So once we're finished with our our intake and I've got a a fair idea of where I want to start and kind of the areas that I want to explore for somebody to help them increase their function, we uh, we put these little sensors on their head uh, the, probably the the worst part about neurofeedback is the paste we use it's it's been around for 75 years and nobody's found anything better it's a very sticky electroconductive paste that literally glues these sensors to their scalp wow and we read these tiny microvoltages that leak out through the scalp um, measured in milli, you know, millivolts, they're a millionth of a volt, they're very, very tiny, we amplify them and we turn them into some kind of audio-visual content that is reflective in real time of changes in that person's brainwave activity uh, while they're sitting doing a, a training session. That information is viewed on a screen It uh, takes a variety of forms, digital content of all sorts, uh, we use to movies, uh, anything, anything that I can put up on a screen that will will interact with uh, the computer pr- software itself and change is, is available to be trained with. And it re- since it reacts in real time, the brain is the person, and therefore their brain, is sitting there and, and observing this fluctuation and change in something on screen. It'll flicker, the screen size will get bigger and smaller, the volume will go up or down uh... In direct real-time response to changes in their brain state now what that means for the brain is that okay here well here's some information the, the brain the brain has one basic job Uh, most of the things you do, it's the iceberg metaphor. Very little of what your brain does is visible to you, the person. Right, right, right. Most of it's sub or unconscious. It's pre-programmed. You don't have to think about moving your arms and legs or creating thought, creating language or anything else. It kind of runs on its own. You don't have to think about your heartbeat. Um, So there's a very small sliver of attention that's paid by the brain to its basic job is changes of pattern. Uh, it's going back in evolutionary uh, um, perspectives. It's what kept us alive. Uh, any tiny fluctuation in your environment was a cause for, if not concern, at least let me look at that. What is that? Um, a, a noise, a, a smell, uh, a movement out of the corner of your eye. You, you're you're drawn to it biologically. You, you you almost can't ignore it.
1: So your your brain knows there's been a change. You don't always know there's been a change, but your yes. brain does. okay, yeah
2: you don't. I mean, frankly our our feedback is f- quite visible. I mean, you certainly notice it uh, consciously, but we're trying to draw your attention to watching whatever the video product is while your brain is paying attention to the changes around the edges in a sense the 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 size of the screen, the flickering, um, it can be quite annoying. I've had clients, com- <laughs> I've had clients commented actually, I'm watching this lovely movie. Why is it flickering? Well, right, right. That's the feedback. Um, so, is right. uh, sometimes disconcerting for the client. But the the pattern changes that the brain uh, is observing are at first, which is why the training can take a while. At first, are un- unrecognizable. I don't, I don't know what that means. The screen is flickering. So what? It, it has to pay attention, but it's trying desperately to figure out what does that pattern change mean. So it's referencing in its own internal way to pattern changes it's seen before. Is that something environmental? Is the TV exploding? You know, is there something wrong with the, the settings on my on my uh, audio? And, and once it rules out all the ones it's seen before, it has to rethink, well, what is it that I'm looking at? So after a period of a number of sessions, the brain finally clues into the fact that it is generating those pattern changes itself. And once that aha moment happens for the brain, we then engage another very powerful motivation for the brain, which is to expend no energy at all brain energy is very well it was until before ralph's uh very hard to come by <laughs> <laughs> wait wait wait
0: what do, you,
2: what do you mean it was hard to come by well, energy had to be pursued energy in terms of calories in terms of you know raw energy uh, uh in your body uh, you know your brain uses up 20-25% of the energy that you consume on a daily basis for huh. for its for its size it's 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 quite it's it's,
1: it's it's really busy. We're going to have to take a break in a moment, but I just wanted to ask you one question before we go. Because I remember this kept coming up for me when I was watching the sessions you were doing with my daughter. And the thing is, it's, this, is not, this whole process is not a diagnostic tool, right? Because I, I remember I kept asking you, well, what does that mean? Right. And, yes. we, and
2: you don't really know what it means. No. We know that there's pattern change. We know it's meaningful ultimately and finally only to the brain. God, that, that it, that's the, the
1: funky thing about all of this is that there's stuff going on, but it's not like a wave pattern that we're looking at of my daughter's and if we looked at it of mine, even if they look the same, it doesn't necessarily correlate, right?
2: Yes, exactly. And And our particular machinery not being diagnostic, it's a training device. Uh, has to accommodate anybody who sits in the chair. I have people who, are, who have very low energy expenditure. They have tiny, tiny little microvoltages. some people with much higher. I have people on medications of a variety of sorts, which change their brain patterning in a sense, but patterns still emerge.
1: So that is all... such. It's just such mind blow. All right, we're going to dig in more so everyone really walks away understanding what this is all about when we come back with the newer guru and the Tech Cat on the Tech Cat Show. Stay tuned.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
4: If you are a small business owner or entrepreneur, you may not be aware of the different options available to you in securing business capital in today's market. We discuss and explore these options each week on Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. There are two primary ways of building business capital. Profits, which are basically higher revenue and reduced expenses, and external, or debt capital. Listen live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Business.
3: If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best. Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
1: Hello, hello, hello. And we are back with the Nuru guru, John, and I've been corrected. Mekhoot. <laughs> 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 now, I, and just, so you know, John and I have been friends for a couple years and I am actually very uh, famous for botching everyone's name. So it only means that you're a good friend.
2: <laughs> bless you. Bless you.
1: <laughs> so we were just talking just to sort of wrap a bow around the sort of deep nerdy fabulousness of, of um, neurofeedback, we were just kind of talking about this, that when I first saw you hooking these sensors up to my daughter and we were looking at these brainwaves, I thought, now you're going to be able to, you know, sort of tell me what's going on. But really what we're doing is we're training the brain by training it to, to be different so that we get into more regulation, we get into some change in how the brain functions.
2: Correct. I mean, that's inherent in the name feedback. This is all about feeding back information to a system. I mean, it applies to yeah. biofeedback, heart rate, skin contact, you know, the, the traditional forms of... Uh, Neurofeedback is also known as EEG biofeedback.
1: Right, right. So the oh, actual it, technical thing is the EEG, is the it, e- e- exactly.
2: EEG, yeah. yeah. We're using EEG signaling to provide back to the person information that's salient.
1: Because it's so funny because you want it to be diagnostic. Like, I wanted awesome. you to say to me, you know, this is what her issues are. Yes. Um, you know, and um, and that's just not what it is. But it is fascinating, you know, to watch the waves on the monitor and what they all mean yeah. and, to, and to start to get into this. So where, where did we start with neurofeedback? Like, when did it start and, you know, where is it going? Because I, I think that's fascinating. And this really gets into where you and I geek out in terms of consumer technology, you know, there are all these wearables being released now that are measuring things that sort of are parallel to a lot of what you're doing. So I'd love to hear sort of, you know, just really quickly where it started um, and then where you think it's going.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, it started back, uh, actually independently, two different people uh, in slightly different modalities. Uh, Barry Sternman, uh, this is probably 1967, perhaps, here at UCLA um did a very famous pure science, hardly funded anymore, experiment with uh, a bunch of cats to see if he could train them to control a particular wave in their brain and, in terms and being rewarded by food. And he did it, just pure science. Yep, I can do it. These cats can produce this wave. How swell... And he put them back in their little cages. For animal rights people, please, I, I understand. Um, <laughs> you know, because it gets worse. Um, he was then called upon not long after to do an experiment uh, by, from NASA on the exposure um, of rocket fuel to mammals. They were very concerned that astronauts who were starting to fly extensively could be adversely affected by rocket fuel, and they did. not They had no data on what were the tolerance levels for rocket fuel. Um, I, am blanking on the name of the actual rocket fuel, methyl I can't I, th- remember. I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we're okay. <laughs> well, this is a, this is a tech show, so I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to be precise. Um, but he, so he said, okay, I'll do an experiment. So he said, I got some cats, we'll put them in and we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and what they discovered was tragically for the animals, of course, they all, uh, passed away, um, as in, the exposure was increased to the toxic fumes, uh, a certain um, number of the cats, uh, their seizure threshold was delayed far beyond the average ex- expectation, and they discovered that the cats who resisted seizure were the same cats that he'd used in his neurof- in his um, his brain training experiment. Mm. So the conclusion was, my goodness, if you can train a particular brainwave, you can uh, resist seizure activity. So the first ex- human experiments, very quickly thereafter were on uh, folks with epilepsy, and they found by applying this brain training technique, they could get people to reduce or eliminate uh, their seizures without medications. Huh? And
1: uh, that's how, and that's that's that sort of the, f- the beginning.
2: First application, exactly. Another fellow, Joe Camilla, in Chicago, was experimenting with alpha wave production, and that uh, to be able to produce alpha waves on demand, which is very much a meditative state. So, two completely physiological and, a, and a, in a sense, you know, spiritual enhancement kind of uh, uh, investigations are going on at the same time. So fascinating stuff. And it's, it's obviously it's gone on. It, it remained largely in institutions and, and universities for many, many decades because the equipment was hideously expensive. The computers and all the rest of it required to do this kind of work were expensive, but only in the last 15 or 20 years now with the advent of the personal computer uh, has this stuff really leaked out into being able to do it in a clinic office like mine.
1: Right. Cause you have, you have a PC That's, that's driving all of this because I remember it crashed once and you just relaunched it. And, and then also I know from just exploring this with, with Sadie, with my daughter, that there were these brain game packages that I could rent, which were just like software that I could take home plus the electrodes, you know, and, and I never thought too much of that, you Mm -hmm. know, um, but you know, I know it's heading in that direction. So what, what is your opinion about sort of these over the counter solutions for this stuff?
2: Well, consumers need to be aware that signal acquisition, brainwave signal acquisition, is difficult at best, and the consumer-level products at this point are Mm, are are um, mediocre. <laughs> oh, I know. I hate to put such a valued word on it, but they're intermittent. They're not as uh, discreet. They're not as pure as a clinician would like them. Right, right. You know. Right. Having said that, you know, Muse works. I mean, it, it, it derives a certain amount of signal, and all the other ones that are out there, they derive a certain amount of decent signaling that would give something back to a value to a person. They're not clinical grade; they're not going to really help you uh, cure your you know your ADD problems and things like that. But can they help with meditation technique and things like that? I think probably yes. Um, but for three hundred dollars, you know, that's sort of a level of expectation. I get it. Our professional level, just to give you an instance, our professional level headset runs twenty thirty thousand dollars
1: so so when and and, uh, just for folks that don't know this muse is is one of those sort of wearables Mm -hmm. that you could buy yourself yep um, on Amazon or mi- direct from the site, and, and how much does it retail for usually? I think
2: it's about three hundred dollars, maybe two ninety nine. So,
1: so for three hundred dollars, you could have some sort of device. And I know that some of my colleagues who have technology labs have bought a number of these different over-the-counter solutions. And some of them said that they felt like weird shocks <laughs> on their head, and they just oh didn't—they so didn't want to do it after that because they were afraid that they were actually like messing with their brain and stuff. Well, so-
2: for the consumer, I, I just make a, a pure division in in what we're talking about here. There are stimulatory devices, uh, transcranial direct current stimulation, uh, which is inserting a certain uh, low voltage signal into your head. Um, do they work? Do they promote? Do they provoke? You know, a change of state? Sure. I'm not sure. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ours, our devices, and the Muse is not one of those, by the way. Uh, but there are devices that, yes, you will feel a tingling in your scalp. There is an actual electrical current being applied. Uh, Muse or uh, Mellow Mind, or I mean, there's a number of them out there. I'm losing the names at this point. There are probably a dozen devices that are not that technology. But transcranial direct current stimulation is very, very popular. It's quite potent. It can absolutely change your brain state in a second. I just would be reluctant myself to do it. And I would caution anybody to be, you know, be judicious about thinking about doing something like that.
1: Um, but, but there are professional, uh, solutions to get that done inside of someone's office like yours, where they do it with like real equipment and a professional.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're suffering with, you know, a, a serious condition, uh, seek out a professional. I mean, it's really, it's, you know, you're going to take your car to a mechanic. You're going to take yourself to a doctor. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it seems fairly obvious when you're dealing with something as sensitive as your brain. Uh, I would be cautionary in saying to somebody, oh yeah, you can do this at home. Um, there are options like you, you referenced earlier. You can go through a certain amount of, of uh, in-office training and then perhaps if, if you're capable and willing, continue it at home under the direction of that professional so that, you know, you're doing the right placements and things like that. It's not mechanically very difficult there's a there are a lot of judgments involved on what you're doing and why but once the mechanics are satisfied it's frankly the reason i got into neurofeedback was my own daughter has autism and i was very quickly after 60 or 80 sessions of neurofeedback i was quickly uh, concluded i will spend a lot of money doing this why don't i go get training and buy some equipment and set myself up to at least do her and it, it led to establishing a career for myself because i was so taken with the technology um but that's how it started but i I did go to professionals at the beginning it's not something i would have launched into on my own
1: and is this at all akin to or in the direction of what we hear about with like carrie fisher getting electrotherapy on her brain and the way she talks about it is it clears her head of the of the the clouds that after a few months start to happen for her with her with her particular disorder is it in that family
2: no as I understand her, I think she's talking about electroconvulsive therapy. Okay, okay. ECT, I'm pretty certain. That is a, from my perspective, kind of a blunt force approach to it. I have some family members and some friends who have done it. And if somebody is mired in, you know, major depressive area and is suicidal, obviously you look at anything you can. But for people with something perhaps less profound, I would argue that try something Less volatile, less with less side effects. There's memory loss. There's a lot of side effects to electroconvulsive therapy
1: because the brain is uh, the brain is also uh, tender.
2: Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's it's a big. You're talking about putting a large amount of electricity through your head. Yes. They, they sedate you for it. That is the reason they do that. Did, did, um, did you ever see that movie Lucy
1: Lucy with uh, Charlotte <laughs> Johansson where, uh-huh. where where it just says we only use ten percent. And then big myth. myth. So how much do you think we use?
2: Oh, probably upwards of 80. Do we really use? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you use more when you're doing something and, and less when you're not, I mean, it's, you know, you can engage enormous amounts of brain power, you know, if you're focused on a task, I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever quantified it, but I mean, I think that the, the, the saw of we only use 10% seems like there's this unused vast wasteland out there <laughs> of unused neurons that are just laying in wait for somebody to do something with them. But you no, know, the brain is is a very complex. It's firing all the time, doing all sorts of things, most of which we don't know about uh, and have no idea what it's doing. But it's constantly working. It works, frankly, more when you're asleep than when you're awake. A lot of people are puzzled to find that out. Um, and there are reasons for that. But the brain is working all the time. It's a very, very active organ.
1: Well, uh, I, I actually don't think that mine does work all the time, but we'll <laughs> talk about that when we come back <laughs> <laughs> at the next break with the fabulous Neuroguru John croot and the Tech Cat.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
2: in real estate stocks annuities and other investment vehicles that's the money answer show with jordan goodman on the voice america business channel every monday at 12 p.m pacific standard time
3: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
1: And we're back with the fabulous John Mickey Root. Just kidding. I'm trying to figure out how are the different ways that I can abuse your name. <laughs> but John, one of the things that you and I love to talk about is where all of this brain tech is going and then what are the other parts of this sort of wellness movement to moving away from pharma? And really getting into other things that we could do to train the brain, to work with the spirit, to, to sort of uh, create a holistic approach to life, which I know is a real passion area for you. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like all the pieces of this puzzle.
2: Boy, they're just starting to appear out of the mist <laughs> of, where, of where we're all heading. I, we're, we're, we seem – well, it's a complicated conversation, but they, we seem to be – maybe it's Western people more than Eastern people, hard to tell. In a paradigm of, um, I go to a variety of specialists, I've got a certain problem, I'm going to go to that guy, that woman, I'm going to get that thing fixed. They're going to do something to me, give me a pill, give me some action that's going to fix that thing. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's vastly more complicated than that. Our, our, our whole structure of being... Is um, so dependent on so many influences: what we eat, how well we sleep, what is our social life like, do we have a spiritual life, what are all of the aspects that could, you know, impinge upon our mental and physical health? They are num- numerous and complicated, and I think there seems to be a movement afoot. And putting putting pharmacology aside from minute, that, that seems to be the the sort of poster child for this in that I'm going to go to my doctor, di- I'm depressed, I'm going to go to my doctor who's going to give me a pill, I'm not going to be depressed anymore. Well, maybe, and maybe not. Maybe the pill's going to work for you, maybe it isn't, it's going to have side effects. And truthfully, what is the source of your depression? What's the What's the realistic component of why you're feeling badly? Is Is depression a, a solitary entity to be approached that way as a, as a fixable item or is it part of a larger constellation of where do you fit? Do you you have friends? Do you have social support? Do you have a family that loves you? Do you love people? Uh, What's your community like? You know there are a lot of aspects to somebody feeling badly. Uh, Focus and attention issues. Is it just because you uh, can't sit still and do what's in front of you or is what's in front of you incredibly boring and stupid and valueless? (laughs) <laughs> right
1: right it's a it's, a it's a bigger question because yeah. you and I also talk about the fact that you know everyone uh, all the schools and throughout our country ADHD is overdiagnosed, and then they stick everybody on, uh, all these kids on Ritalin and other meds, and that part of the problem is not understanding all the things that you're talking about about this kid, and for my daughter in particular, you know, she is classic ADHD, I mean, textbook, and so meds have been, um, you know, a real helpful thing for us, but it's also in combination with behavioral therapy and other things, so it's not this one... Stop solution for pharma, um, and in fact, you and I have also talked about how ultimately I hope we move away from a pharma solution as she gets a little older. So, right now we're in this place where pharma is sort of driving everything. Um, what do you think needs to happen for that to flip?
2: Uh, banning direct to consumer advertising would be a start.
1: Oh my God, that's like the most money that most uh, marketing—they're the most expensive and the most lucrative. <laughs>
2: yeah, S- sorry. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but that has to happen. We're, we're, there are only two countries in the world that allow it. Us and New Zealand. And why, why is that? Why New Zealand? I don't know. That's an interesting one. I don't know why. Um, somebody, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, a tiny homogenous country, so I, I'm less concerned with it than I am for all the other countries in the world uh, that don't allow it. They're, they're, there's a reason for that.
1: I, and, I, and, because, and you think it's because you shouldn't be selling drugs?
2: Well, not no, drugs have their place. Drugs are useful, drugs are often necessary. I think they're overprescribed and they're overused and they promote in my from my perspective, I think they promote a thought process that says there's a pill for that.
0: When, right, right, right,
2: right. I don't, I don't think most of the things that we're dealing with, there isn't a pill for that. Your, you know, your daughter, anybody's daughter, uh, son who is having trouble in school, is it their fault or is it the school's fault? Where, where's the, where's the line? Right, Are they getting right, enough right. play time? Are they getting enough creative space in their lives to be different? Is it required that a that a seven year old sits still in a chair? I don't think so. I think that's crazy.
1: Right, and so there's bigger pieces at play here as we sort of seek to understand the human experience better and also the physical aspects of life because I remember this woman telling me that they've just now realized that when young boys sit crisscross applesauce it actually stimulates their you know um, organs and it causes them to be more hyper Mm -hmm. Um, so so when a two or three year old boy is sitting crisscross applesauce it's bad I mean not bad but it doesn't calm them
2: it's kind of counterproductive for what your goal is, so that's counterproductive, for sure. Right. So
1: those are the yeah. types of things. So you, I know you have moved your practice and you're starting to work with a, a group of uh, other doctors in um, various areas to sort of put together a bigger story around wellness. And I was wondering if you could share some of that philosophy.
2: Sure, of course. Yeah, I just joined a, uh, an integrative clinic Hope Psychiatric Integrative Clinic or Hope Integrative Wellness. I'm not, I'm not sure for We need some branding assistance by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's a bunch of like-minded individuals. Uh, it's, it's run by a, a wonderful doctor named Dr. Omid Naeem. and he comes out of the Dan Siegel Mindfulness School. He was trained at the Bravewell Institute. So he comes from a very holistic frame about mental health that suggests that it's not about just taking a pill. You have to look at the larger context of some Life, so my job here is to put neurofeedback into place as one of the obviously many tools. Cognitive behavioral therapy, traditional psychotherapy, medications, you know, uh, diet and lifestyle advice and changes in that regard, uh, yoga. We do a lot of different things here to put people back in touch with their full spirit, um, encouraging. Human connection, community—you know—some sp- kind of a spiritual life—to make sure people are-, are properly taking care of themselves on every level. And we think that that's going to be the next new paradigm, or the ab- the-, the correct paradigm for mental health. Um, it's it's a totality. It's not and it's not in isolation. You can't go to just somebody and get a pill for your problem. It probably is larger than that.
1: Right. So it's it's a, it's a little bit of everything, um, little bits and pieces of everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I use a lot of modality. You started to reference some of the things that are out there, other things that we use. I use HeartMath, which is a wonderful product. By the way, I recommend to anybody listening, uh, you can go buy it on Amazon. I think it's $129. And it's a wonderful little self-awareness tool. It's a little phone app where you can adjust your breathing patterns to increase your heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is very 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 important for uh, mental and physical health. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but suffice it to say that it, it is a balance. It's a ba- it promotes a balancing act between your audit, uh, between your uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, and that that balance is crucial for m- mental and physical health. And here's a little one hundred twenty nine dollar app that will help you do that.
1: And it's um, called it's called what
2: again? Uh, it's called Heart Math.
1: Heart Heart Math. And what about the um. You had recommended to us that we listen to binaural sounds?
2: by Bi- Binaural Beats. Binaural Other, Beats. It's <laughs> very easy. There are probably 500 Binaural Beats apps on your phone as you sit there. Uh, download one of them and see if you like them. Binaural Beats uh, uh, works on the principle of it puts two different tones into your left and right ear that are separated by a particular value, which you get to pick. Am I looking for uh, peace and calm or are I looking for hyper- more focus and attention skills? Uh, your brain uh, tries to reconcile the disparity between those two tones, and therefore causes it causes your brain to focus on that differential, which is the tone you're looking for. That's the state you're looking for. That's a, that's a terrific device too.
1: And then um, there's all those meditation apps now that are coming out. Yep. Um, which is where you can have um, either for free or for micropayments, listen to different specialists who take you through uh, meditation. <laughs> you know what do they call it? Uh, guided. It.
2: Guided imageries, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely
1: yeah and Upstate. I've I've tried some of it and I I like it because I can't do it myself I'm just too you know <laughs> I'm too stressed out
2: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get you in here and do some deep state neurofeedback something I haven't talked about at all uh, what the particular, is that the particular, yeah, exactly. Well, the particular one that I use, and I, that I used on your daughter, and that I use for most people, um, for remedial symptomatology issues, whatever they may be, is what's called the ILF Othmer method, or ILF, infra- infralow frequencies. We train at very low frequencies because it was discovered clinically and then verified through fmr- fMRI research that the brain conducts a certain amount of business at very, very low frequencies. That it's just discreet just to itself. Just communicating with itself. Something called the default mode network. Is
1: that, is that like when I talk to myself?
2: Uh, no, this is <laughs> far below. We're talking, you're talking to yourself is probably in the fifteen or twenty hertz range. This is down below a tenth of a hertz, a hundredth of a hertz. This is extremely low frequency signaling. And it was discovered, uh, revealed that these networks exist, the default mode network being probably the most uh, important or perhaps even most well-known. But it's like the idle speed of your brain and, and it, it's it governs in a sense all of the rest of the activities the the the, uh, the actual visible activities that go on in brain function. So it exists at a wholly different level. And that's what appealed to me about the Othmer method and it's why I do it because that's what we're interacting with and trying to 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 help the brain understand its own signaling for its own purposes. And I'm not I'm not shaping brain waves to be more or less of anything. That's that's a more traditional form of your of neurofeedback.
1: And the, uh, the Othmers are the famous people that kind of started this all and that's who I first looked up and found you. Right, those yeah. are the like.
2: Uh, they're they're one of the early early pioneers, and like so many, i my daughter with autism. Their, their son had epilepsy, which is how they got into it, looking for a neurofeedback solution for their son, and ran across this, and obviously Barry Sternman and all the rest. Um, so there's a lot of people who who uh, approach this business because of some personal story. But yes, they've been doing this for gosh almost 30 years probably.
1: Because um, so it is it is true that usually people are driven to uh, innovation and and especially these days, technology innovation, when they have a very personal story that's driving it. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: You know, um, yeah. You know and obviously that's what impacted you. And and what other types of things, uh, before we take our next break, yeah. are you also looking at? Because I know we talked about we've talked about cannabis. I'm a big fan of medicinal <laughs> cannabis and just where it's going. Um, you know, where it's low, uh, low THC and it's not about um, right. not about getting stoned Right. Um, because th- those college days are gone. Um, <laughs> but, um, but actually, we have to take a break now. But when we come back, let's talk about, you know, all these other things that are also circling um, this world. Um, and also, I'd love to know more about, you know, where you're going next. Like, um, you know, because you, you're, you're very popular right now. So it would be um, interesting to hear... Um, you know, how, how you're taking all of this uh, to, the, to the next level. So when we come back, we're going to talk more um, about the future of neurofeedback. Um, and, and I guess it is neuroscience, right? It's under mm-hmm. that, that category of neuroscience. And just all these little bits and pieces that all of us are looking at, some of the new things coming down the pike, especially with this election cycle, um, depending on which direction it goes, there'll be a lot of um, states who are, who are selling cannabis legally, Yep. Um, so it'll just be interesting seeing how all these bits and pieces come together. So we'll be back um, in a moment on the Tech Cat show with John, what's she going to say? Mech <laughs> Rutt. Wow. Hey, is that right? That was spot on, girl. Okay, woohoo. We'll be back in a moment <laughs> on the TechCat show.
3: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
4: Did you know where you bank really matters? Values-based banking is a growing, global, viable alternative to the current banking system. Find out how you can join, share, and participate in a positive money movement that is designed to put the power back in your pockets. Listen for Building Banking on Values with host Linda Ryan. Your money matters. There is a solution, and you can be a part of something greater. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's about a different kind of banking.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We're always talking business. (laughs) Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: back with the Neuro guru on the Tech Cat Show. And usually I end up talking to uh, folks in the entertainment, marketing, uh, or technology space as it relates to business. This is sort of a little off to the side in terms of uh, digging into a solution that's impacting people's healthcare. But it's just so interesting because it is very tech-driven and it is getting democratized um, so that you know more people are, are getting involved in this. But there are lots of different bits and pieces to this. So I know you're also looking at... Other types of experiences, like like psychedelics, uh, psychedelic drugs, and other things that actually should have a more positive name. I, I guess the '60s kind of uh, tainted them. <laughs>
2: Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: so what are some of the things that you're just studying right now? Um, and I'm not indicting you um, as to, as, as that you're using them yourself, but just what are you looking at?
2: <laughs> you you, you want to know all about my ayahuasca experiences? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: thing that you drink and it makes you throw up and everything. Oh uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, 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 I'm well, I, I'm not shy about sharing my own experiences. I did a fair amount of psychedelics back in the day, um, when it was I, popular. <laughs> when it was popular, it still wasn't legal, but it was popular. And I mean, frankly, I did them as a youth to get high. Yeah. And and but now I'm seeing that there's uh, a, a reason that these things exist in, in cultures, that there is a spiritual component, and I think uh, you know advocates of uh, psychedelic experiences view them as. Um, medicinal, they view them as almost, quite, almost religious in a sense, and, and I think they're right, and I think there's a place for this. Uh, I know there's a movement afoot to bring back uh, MDMA into psycho uh, to psychoanalytic circles. That that's ecstasy, um, ec- ecstasy, exactly. Okay. Uh, quite useful was at the time, and and fell into the trap of being labeled as a you know a class two narcotic, which it's not, and. And uh, there's a movement afoot. Uh, this uh, American Psychiatric Association is pushing hard to do it, and there's going to be some studies upcoming. Uh, there are things like that, and there are so many that are so obvious. Cannabis is such an easy one. Uh, the, the benefits of cannabis culturally are, I think, are... Tremendous, uh, tremendous. On, yeah, and just not arguable anymore. I mean, if you listen to, you know, just do a brief survey of Woody Harrelson and you'll find out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I have studied this a lot because I had a client that was looking at it, uh, getting into it from a business perspective. And so I had to do a lot of research and I was blown away by… Talk about ep- epilepsy, um, concussions, yeah. they're looking at it for attention deficit as well, sure. um, swelling, uh, cataracts, um, all these things that um, – low THC, but you still need that psychotropic piece to activate the the cannabinoids to, to make it mm-hmm. do the medicinal piece. But mm-hmm. it's just really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it for just for pain relief, if nothing else. Yeah. You know, you start with that and um, PTSD. I mean, there are a lot of applications for some of these psychotropic medications that should need to be explored. At The very least, they need to be studied. I mean, right. it's silly that we've we've taken it out of the hands of, of of scientific and medical professionals because we have some value judgment about it as a culture. I mean, right. that just that right. just seems
1: foolish. And and in terms of neurofeedback, just kind of coming back to where we started. I know when I was looking at all this, first of all, insurance doesn't cover this at all. And there were no studies or the various, you know, Sadie's like regular doctors just were like, well, you could try it, but none of them were like, you know, I've read studies, I think this is the answer, you know. So there's right. this there's still this floaty piece to all of this.
2: Well, I mean, in fairness, there are probably two hundred studies. On neurofeedback for ADHD. The problem with studies um, is, and especially this trouble with studies for neurofeedback as a because it is a training methodology, is it's difficult to control for it in the classic sense of scientific rigor. Uh, the random controlled study, you know, is the gold standard, and is very, very difficult, if not impossible, to apply to something like this. Uh, how would the brain very easily figures out what fake neurofeedback is? It doesn't have any meaning. It, this is just are random flickerings. Right, it, right. it will, however, pay attention to flickerings that it is generating. So it's 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 pretty simple for the brain to figure out. Well, that's fake. I'm going to ignore it. So how do you control then by using sham neurofeedback? Almost impossible. There's an A/B testing. Here's the problem. At the end of the day, there's no money in this. There's no patentable, marketable, multi-billion dollar gold pot at the end of discovering how and why neurofeedback works best or which one does or what's, you know, what, what's the order of things. There's, there's no actual money in it. Unlike a drug trial, you can spend 20, 30, 50 million dollars developing, 100 million dollars developing a drug if at the end of the day it's a billion dollar drug.
1: Right. That's,
2: that's, a, that's a business choice. That doesn't exist for neurofeedback. It's a learning tool. So, our, you know, we're, we're, we're always accused of, oh, there aren't any studies. There probably aren't going to be very many. Um, they're, they're criticized for their lack of size and, and their, you know, a, a lot of technical details about how studies are conducted. Absolutely, they're not wrong. I'm willing for the NIH to pony up, you know, several hundred million dollars to do some rigorous studies of neurofeedback. That's got a tough call because, again, there's no money at the end of, the, end of that rainbow yeah, I did notice so,
1: at all these medical conferences that neurofeedback is never like on the agenda, you know, no, as a solution.
2: No, it yeah. is it is in certain conferences. I went to the uh, to the integrative mental uh, mental health me- medical and mental health conference in San Diego last fall. and I had never been there. I went with Dr. Naeem, and was quite surprised to find a, a number of people talking about things that probably aren't discussed in most primary care physicians' offices, like what's the state of your gut, what do you eat, what's your level of inflammation based on what you eat, and just sidebar, most, uh, most serotonin is produced in your stomach. 90 ah. per, 90% of the serotonin in your body is produced in your stomach. That's not the a, stuff that makes us happy. It's the stuff that is reputedly the antidepressant. So you sort of go, well, okay, if it's produced in my stomach, one would think logically it probably has some effect on my brain as well if that's the production value. And if uh, my stomach is not in order and I'm not producing the appropriate amounts of serotonin, might I likely be depressed? Sure. So it's not really in your brain in that sense. Perhaps it's in your gut. So these are very complicated conversations that can't be siloed anymore. At this convention, lots of people spoke about topics like that. Neurofeedback was extensively covered. And this was a room full, full of 500 MDs. So three, four years ago, there were 50 people there. So, clearly, there's a growing, uh, a growing uh, urgency and sense of investment in, you know, we can't just do things the way we've been doing this. This isn't working.
1: Right, and I, I love that idea that, our you know, just our current understanding of this is just going to be flipped, you know, because, um, you know, I, I remember thinking, okay, if I eat all this chocolate, I'll be happy, but maybe the chocolate's clogging the serotonin.
2: Very possible. <laughs> Very possible. I, I can I can recommend some good uh, some good testing for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should talk
1: about that. But um, where where can we read more about what you're doing and and how your your new place is is coming together?
2: Um, uh, Mike, currently people can reach me clearly through my website, uh, thebalancebrain.com. Just email me, John at com That's an easy one. I'm found on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. A lot of ways to reach me. Um, the clinic is evolving as we speak. We're right now in temporary offices for the next two, what's the fifteenth, for the next uh, fifteen days. And then hopefully we're going to be launching ourselves into a, a really, really nice multi-office clinic situation, which I think will be glorious, hopefully right here in North Hollywood. Uh, and we'll have all the practitioners under one roof, and we'll really be able to do something really quite special. Um, the, our new website, obviously, is still in the design stages, so that's not as functional. as. What's now. the
1: name of the whole thing again?
2: Hope. It's Hope. called Hope Integrative. Or hope integrative psychiatry. I think you can find it under either Google search. Dot do, com. do
1: you think that will be a more common approach in the years to come?
2: I sure hope so. Right. It's it seems the logical next step.
1: And then, if someone wants to explore neurofeedback um, in general, you know, how do they find their local practitioner? Is there a good way to do that?
2: Several different ways, obviously use, use your own Google, but if you're interested in the Othmer method specifically, and I would encourage people to, to really look at it uh, and see if it resonates with them as, as an approach, uh, you can go to eeginfo.com and there is a find a provider search tab right on the front page and just type in your zip code or your city and you will find the people nearest to you. It's, a very, it's an extensive international provider list. We have, we have providers all over the world.
1: Wow, this is so cool. Well, I love what you're doing and where you're taking everything. And, um, and I also want to watch you take, take a lot of drugs, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have been having an in-depth conversation with the neuro guru, John McRutt. Um, brain. <laughs> and John is an expert in neurofeedback and, um, has all sorts of insights about where this whole world is going. So thank you so much, John. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your tech cat, having fabulous uh, conversations about tech trends, impacting your business. And also for today's discussion, your life. We'll be back next week with more on the tech cat show.